Welcome to the Rookie Picture Podcast. Each episode, we take a picture that captures an iconic moment, player or players. We'll then spend some time discussing the importance of what we see within that photo. After that, we then will give one lucky listener the chance to win an official licensed copy of that photo. For today's episode, I am joined again by Sean Adlam Knight. How are we doing, Sean? All good, my friend. How are you? I'm very good. I'm excited about our topic today because I know it harks back to uh, our heyday when we still dreamed of regularly throwing the ball down (laughs) rather than just uh, worrying about our injuries if we stand up too quickly. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, our picture today is of Alan Iverson. It's acrobatically going up for a layup, really iconic image of Iverson. He's been the subject of so much debate. So why are we doing another podcast? Um, Well, I wanted to look at a different question for you today, Sean. Um, The question I've got for you is, would Iverson be better or worse in the modern NBA? Better or worse is difficult. I think, do you know, I think he could play in this era 100% because Jamarant is a carbon copy of Allen Iverson, <laughs> just a little bit more athletic. Yeah. It's crazy to say because Iverson was athletic Top enough. Yeah. But yeah, I think he, he could better maybe because he's used to you know ai would get try and get to the bucket and get hit every single time um he spent more time on the floor or in the air than anything else and i think that he he'd be at the, the free throw line every single time he touched the ball um yeah, definitely so i think he he probably averaged 20 from the line um so if you want to look at it as if he's better in a points average he could well be better off the only thing that would let him down possibly is his ability to shoot the three. Yeah. That's the only thing where maybe he wouldn't shine today. But I I just think that he had such a transcendent game and he was such a, he was just so electrifying at that time. And that, you know, like sort of 95, 96. Um, And I think he'd still be as good today because he's just, so exciting and electrifying and just he could do absolutely anything anything yeah. he wanted to do with the ball he could do and I believe he could do it now because I don't think there's anyone that can guard him and that was it's funny you finish on that because that was one of the points <clears throat> I thought about this from this perspective I was thinking you know does his game fit in the modern NBA and I'm like well yeah it does you know by the fact he only shot a career 33% from outside for a guy his size that just wouldn't fit with today's NBA um but I thought about, it. yeah, he fits the way he attacks the rim. He will be more protected by the refs than he would have got back then. The lane isn't clogged yeah. like, by just big bruisers as it was back then. But then I kind of reversed that and said, but he's not going to go up against defenders that can't move anymore. You yeah, know, yeah. you think about back to the 90s <laughs> and some of the point guards he would have gone up against. And yeah. this is no disrespect to them, but even some of the greats, John Stockton, How's he supposed to stay with Allen Iverson? You don't have a John Stockton in the NBA anymore. You don't no. have a, a guy that's clearly can shoot the ball, high IQ, pass the ball exceptionally well, and is a good leader. You have to still be athletically gifted. You have to be quick. You have to, you know, have something about you to, to go above that. And and that's the only thing I think where I think would he be better or worse? I just think the defense would be better to be able to cope with him than it was back in the 90s. You say that, but if you think about it. A lot of the time, teams would switch up their two guard to guard Allen Iverson because they it's knew. True. 
because they knew that their one had no chance. So, you know, like famously, you switch up, you got Michael Jordan on him. You know, yeah, and that's I know, the big one, right? The highlight clips that you see from right, that matchup right. are one and of then, the biggest yeah. things that probably taint Jordan's God status. Yeah. And you've got Kobe always saying that, you know, he was, Alan Iverson was the toughest guy he ever played against because it was always his defensive matchup. You know, and there's other players out there at the time that were two guards and maybe even threes that had to come down and try and stop him. So I think, I still think he's just got the edge because of the toughness and used to playing against, you know, being, being people, they said he was six, one, he wasn't six, one. He's more like, <laughs> yeah, no chance. Being beat up by people that are six, 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 seven, yeah. you know, like it's, like it's nothing. And uh, yeah, I just think that, that I think he'd be okay. You know, I, I really do. The only thing is he, he had a great crossover and all that for the time. Things have moved on. People are a lot quicker now. Yeah. Um, but is ball handling still going to be good enough to get him exactly where he wants to go? He's used to be getting hit, so that'll be fine. He jump over people. I, I don't see him being stopped in any era that he plays in. Now, and again, uh, you know, obviously when we think of Iverson, we think offense, 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 because that's where all the highlight tapes come from. And, yeah. you know, if there's an apocalypse we all think that he only ever played offense and never played any defense. Often we forget the fact that he was the NBA steals leader for three seasons. He's no yeah. slouch on the defensive end. No. He didn't ignore the defensive end at all. And if anything, I think that potentially is one of the advantages he was ha- he would have in the modern NBA because one, like you say, he'd be happily to be physical. You know, he'd yeah. happily guard guys that are bigger than him, which he's going to have to do. You know, you're seeing a lot more point guards that were Magic Johnson size rather than his size now. So yeah. he's going to have to be outsized. But I don't think he'd be phased by that. I really don't. I think he 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 came with that '90s attitude would be an, would be a benefit for him in the modern game. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to zoom back a little bit from his career, trying to pick apart his career. Um, obviously, certainly a turbulent career, real roller coaster, and plenty of drama off the floor as well as on it. Yeah, uh, Iverson was jailed in 93 um, for a fight in a bowling alley. Um, only three people arrested. A mass brawl between a group of black friends and a group of white friends. Yeah. Only three people arrested, all of them black. I don't think we're particularly surprised um, with that fact. No. The conviction was overturned in 95. He got a ridiculous sentence. He got a sentence that only, I think, capital murderers were getting at that yeah. stage. Yeah. Um, what impact did do you feel that kind of experience would have had on him as a player obviously we've seen certain fallout with regards to his life maybe that came from that but do you think that impacted anything to do with his game his career no i mean if anything it made him tougher you know i think you know you talk about players coming in with a chip on their shoulder you yeah. talk about Alan iverson you know <laughs> i think that if anything that those kind of activities and what 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 happened and what he went through made him into the guy that was 5'11 and didn't care about who he was going up against and would get hit to the floor and get back up. And it it gave him that, not a term that was used back in the day, but it gave him that kind of swagger, yeah. you know, gave him that kind of, you know, that that work and that that dirt and that grit and that chip on his shoulder. And it, I think he, he got great enjoyment out of, like you, you, the way you watch him play, like he, got great enjoyment out of making other players look silly. You know, there's a yeah. greatest photos of all time is him stepping over Tyrone Lou after hitting the, the game, like the 
basically the basic game winner against the Lakers in like 2001 in the in the first game of the finals. But that's what he enjoyed and that's what kept him going and that's what he was. And he you know, he represented that hard knock culture. Yeah. And that made him the player he was. I think without that hard nosed attitude, you he's a very different player. He's extremely talented, absolutely, but you know, he's not the same kind of person. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And it's, I, think. It, I, I, I think you're right. And the thing I find even more interesting is that I think that mindset, the way he, he was, and whether that's um, from a tough upbringing that he had from the, the, you know, the ridiculous jail sentence that he had, but it seemed to fit really well when Coach Thompson brought him in and recruited him for Georgetown. Mm-hmm. He fit with Georgetown's, I hate to use the word in this context, but their brand, their identity, who they were, right? Yeah, yeah. He fits with that with that feel how close were we to not having one of the greatest players of the 90s slash noughties if georgetown hadn't picked him up he'd had a jail term he was you know not exactly the top of everyone's list because of the off-court stuff if georgetown hadn't taken him could you have seen him finding another college and making his way to the nba or would we have missed out on iverson completely I think he again because of that that grit that you know that that will to succeed and, and prove people wrong. He makes his way into the NBA at some point, but it's maybe you know if you look at the the way that Patrick Beverly made his way into the NBA more recently. Yeah, yeah. You know, he bumbles about a bit. You play overseas, you know, and then and then you 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 crack the league after about five six years of doing that, and you come in as a hard nose you know, defensive specialist or something like that. So we still get to see him, but I don't think we see him at the high level because... He'll have had to change as a player to get there, right? Yeah, I think, you know, you bounce around and you lose, you know... I think the way everything worked out for him is insane when you think about the way that it could have gone. You know, we could have been... How many... And the thing is, how many players went down that... That other route, right? Yeah. Well, more more than didn't. Yeah. You know? Sadly. Yeah, but I I just think that he's the. I think he makes it somehow because he's got that kind of tenacious attitude. Um, yeah, but certainly yeah, the way he played the game was that way. He seemed to, like you say, have that chip that he had to be the best. He almost yeah. played the game as if everyone was disrespecting him the whole time he played. Yes. Yeah, and I think without Georgetown. Um, you know, it's, it, you don't see the same guy. You still see him, but you don't see the same guy. I, I truly believe that them picking him up and letting him have that year just to show out and gain even more confidence is what pushed him to be able to come into the NBA and say, well, none of you guys can hold my jockstrap. Yeah. Know? Because he's just he's floating on cloud nine rather than getting beaten up on the way up, up a waterfall kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, he left Georgetown after two years. First time a player had done that under Coach Thompson at Georgetown. So it was unexpected, to say the least. Yeah. Understandable. He got drafted first um, by Philly in 96. Was it important that it was Philly? Did it matter which team he went to? Or, again, did the kind of stars align and his identity as a player meet with Philly as a city and Philly as, as as a franchise? I think, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I think the stars aligned a hundred percent, you know, but it also was important that it, it, it was a team like 
like Philly that needed someone to come in and do that to gain some respect back from you know what was once a, a fairly successful team um with like some great players you know like Dr J Barkley and all these things that like after Barkley sort of left it all turned pretty sour for yeah. the city so it was important to have an east coast team for one it had to be an east coast team just because of how he is and how he plays yeah he's um, weird right but he's he's just i couldn't see him being a West Coast star. No, not at all. I mean, it, it. the only two teams in my mind that could have ever drafted him at that point were New York or Philly, you know, or maybe at that that time, uh, possibly Washington or someone like that. Yeah. You know, because they had like Juwan Howard and Chris Weber at the time. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. That would have, man, Weber. That, that would have been crazy. Weber and Iverson on the same yeah. team at the peak of their powers would have been scary. That would have been probably one of the best combos at that yeah. time. But... You know, it was important that it was a, 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 a again, a gritty team that just, you know, had some stray pieces that had come together and had an underdog attitude. And it was important that so he could come in and the coaching staff and the players on that team just embraced him and said, yeah, do your thing. You know, we're not going to hold you back because there's nothing, you know, without you here, there's nothing else going on here. We're not going to make the playoffs really. So just go in and do what you can do. It had to be that kind of team that was open to it and yeah. open to taking not just Alan Iverson, the basketball player, taking Alan Iverson, the person and the cultural icon and, you know, and what he turned out to be. And he gave like the Philly identity rubs off on him and, and vice versa, you know? So yeah, I think it, it was, it was important that it was that team. Um, as always in our episodes, I, I, I'm obliged, I think contractually obliged by you almost, <laughs> to zoom out of the basketball and look at some sneakers for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Iverson, obviously, Reebok player. Um, yeah. And interestingly, in the last episode, I came out and said, I'll only wear Puma and Nike, and only Puma because I obviously used to work for them, yeah. and cons. Um, I probably would wear some old school Reeboks, oh, if oh, I'm yeah, honest. Yeah. I, I mean, probably might rock some Reeboks, yeah. even though Reebok is an even worse brand than Adidas to me. <laughs> but I might, I might. Do you know what I mean? I might rock some old Kemp's or some yeah, some yeah. Shacks or even even some Iversons as well. Yeah. Um, Iverson signed a lifetime deal. This I, I didn't find this out until I researched this. This is mad. Iverson signed a lifetime deal with Reebok in two thousand and one. Yep. He still gets for the rest of his life eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Yep. Okay. Plus. He gets $32 million when he turns 55 in nine years' time. Yeah. Okay. A question for you. Do you think Iverson's deal with Reebok is good value for that brand? Um, yeah. Yeah. Reebok's been a really odd brand, though, hasn't it? It's been yeah. through... So some, many opportunities, but not much coming out of it. Right. And then they ended up getting bought by Adidas and then, and then bought out by another company more recently that actually Shaq is an investor in the company. So Shaq now partially owns Reebok, which is kind of cool. But anyway, um, I, it's a funny brand and it's, I, I, I mean, I love the questions. The first Iverson shoe is one of my favorite shoes of all time. Um, Hexalite is a massively underrated air technology. And that shoe, just because of who Iverson was at that time, it was so different to anything else. Um, yeah. It's, it doesn't look different now, which tells you no. a lot, right? Yeah, right. And it it still looks kind of fresh now. You know, you could put a pair on and not feel like you're necessarily wearing a retro. Yeah. You know, but I think it was important that 
those two brands sort of got together because they'd had some success. They had Shaq, they had Kemp and whatever, but they'd only ever bubbled around a bit. And they both, you know, obviously needed someone that would take him on and let him do what he wanted to do. Um, but is it a good investment? <laughs> I mean, 800 grand a year. <sighs> I don't know, man. That's because... a lot of trainings you've got to shift, mate, on the back of Iverson's right. name. Then... 32 million when you hit 55. I mean, it's... And don't get me wrong, by the sounds of Iverson's lifestyle, he's probably yeah. glad that he's signed that lifetime deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that it's difficult because you're always going to be able to release, you know, retro the questions um, yeah. and, and they're going to sell. Are they going to sell 800 grand's worth a year? No, I don't think so. Um, now you got to do some workout to get that back, right? Your, yeah. yeah. You mentioned a, a company bought them recently. It was the Authentic Brands Group, which That's is right, an awful yeah. name for a company. Yeah. Um, they bought Reebok for $2.5 billion. Yeah. Um, Reebok haven't done much with Iverson in no. recent years, really. Yes, we see a few re-releases, but there's no marketing or publicity that pushes behind it. Um, no, no. Uh, reading some of the bits around it, they've used him a lot in the Asian markets because he still has a lot of um, brand yeah. equity in the Asian market and Reebok really struggled to, to break through there. Do you think we're now, with this takeover deal happening, going to see some of the old stuff being more proactively worked upon and put back into the market? Are we going to yeah. see more Iverson trainers come back out now? 100%. 100%. You know, because you, you, if you look around, you see the NBA actually using Al Iverson more than they ever have done. He appears at a lot more events. He's a, you know, the Hall of Fame inductee and and whatever. And I think he, people look at him as, you know, he went off the rails a bit, had some maybe rough times after he retired or couldn't get a team, whatever. And he's sort of turning it around. I think, yeah, if, if Reebok have got any sense now, the authentic brand group or whoever, I mean, best believe that Shaq's invested interest is because he wants to re-release all of his Oh, mate, I'm looking forward to them. I'm getting... Especially with Shaq pushing them as well. Yeah, you know, so uh, I think, yeah, I think we do. I think we see the, the questions come out in the original colours more. Um, we see that, I don't know if you remember the, the second Iverson, the answers, the first basketball shoe'd have DMX, the DMX yes. technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, great shoe. Um, again, holds up pretty well looks-wise to a modern shoe. So, yeah, I think we see them start to come back. And the, um, thing you've got, so. the thing you've got for me is he's had so many iconic moments in his life. You can create an endless supply of specials. Endless. This shoe is to celebrate when he stepped over Jordan. This yeah. shoe has <laughs> so yeah. many moments. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That you can just... Mind-blowing how many different shoes and, and stories you could tell through that. That's and ultimately, it. if you think about it, they've done next to nothing with him in the last 20 years mm. and that's cost them what 16 million dollars yeah i think they need to start getting a little bit back for that investment now yeah you know and it, and that's the way sneaker culture works now isn't it you know that shoes are known by what happened in the shoe so yeah got, like the flu game jordans people call them flu oh, game. They're, yeah. they're, they're what he wore you know and despite so, what pippin keeps telling everyone exactly <laughs> uh, uh, what i mean if Reebok have got any sense, you re-release the questions that he's wearing when he crossed up Mike as the, the crossover, you know what I mean? There's yeah, yeah. so much marketing there. Yeah. Um, but marketing has always and will always be Reebok's downfall. Because yeah, I historically, historically, I think, I think it got worse when they joined the Adidas family yeah. because Adidas didn't care about them. No. They didn't get any focus. They were the, they were the, uh, 
the weird cousin that no yeah, one that's taking any notice of that's stuck in the corner getting dusty. Yeah, but I, I just think that's always been their their problem because they've had some pretty good tech, you know. I mean, over over the years, the pump idea was a great idea, not executed that well, but hey ho. I still have- remember my brother getting the train from the south coast into London just to spend hundred and twenty pound on those on those uh, aluminous yellow ones. Yeah. Yeah, literally bear in mind it was you know we're talking about when he was doing his paper around at like 10 pound a week yeah to go and buy those and i was like what's the big deal and he went well look and i was like yeah that's pretty cool yeah. no tech no real technology to it at all no 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 like it's really cool i'm pumping yeah. up my tech. that's cool yeah and you know they, they've had so many opportunities like d brown wearing them in the in the dunk contest and pumping yeah. them up yeah 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 they never did anything with that yeah and so that's so crazy, you know. Yeah, right, they had a good campaign with Shaq, but how can you not have a good advertising campaign with Shaq in it? Yeah, he he does that for you. You exactly. don't need to do anything well, on that. There's one. so many missed opportunities throughout the years. You know, like the the Kemp shoes, they were never really marketed properly. And you could, mate, for love no money, could you get them over here? No, couldn't get them. Could not get them. And you know, and he was one of the most recognizable players of that era. Yeah. You know, high flying, you know, loud, brash, playing on a great team, and but they just did nothing with it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think it's I think it's because they never called them, apart from the Shacks, they were called the Shack Attack. Yeah, they were never called the Allen Iverson. No, they weren't really a signature shoe, were they? No, they were never called the Sean Kemp's. They were the Questions or the Kamikazes, or you know what I mean. There was never yeah, yeah, yeah. any association with a player, yeah, and yeah. you need that because because Nike made the blueprint. So now you need to have, you know, yeah. you need to have that. Going against, yeah. yeah, you have to. Right, we're going to zoom back into his career now. Although I do love our jaunts down sneaky. Yeah. I've, got, I've got to admit, he's one of the highlights of each episode for me. Uh, sorry to the listeners that aren't that bothered, but I certainly <laughs> enjoy it. Um, obviously, spent numerous years at Philadelphia trying to get it going, managed to get them to six playoffs, yeah. Obviously the most successful 2001, um, had a ridiculous play, you know, averaged nearly 33 points a game in that. But it kind of all fell apart in the 2006-07 season, yeah. um, was traded to the Nuggets. Um, in hindsight, do we consider Iverson's move from Philly to Denver as pretty much the end of his career? Yeah. To a certain degree, is that kind of, okay, that's Iverson done then, he's just going to yeah. be you know what Carmelo has become now is yeah. that how we would position that moving his in his career I think so uh, it, it's sad because you know he went to the Nuggets and you know, people forget he was still an all-star you know yeah. and then he yeah, went, yeah, on to, yeah, yeah. went on to Detroit and was still an all-star but that wasn't based on his numbers that was based on the fact that he was Alan Iverson yeah you know and he was the he was the face of the hip hop generation that that was within the NBA, and he was the face. You know, everyone wearing the velour suits at the time and stuff like that. He was, he was <laughs> the, the face. Hazards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was the face of that, and I think that's what got him. He's obviously still a great player, but he was nowhere near the player that was getting voted into All Star teams in the late nineties, early two thousands. No, he'd, he'd lost, he'd lost his superpowers at, at, yeah. at that point, and I think if anything, it kind of for me showed. Because I don't think he lost particularly physicality. Yes, he had a few injuries and things are starting to mount up on him because he put his body through a lot, the style of play that he had. Yeah. But I think it was it really shows how important the psychology for Iverson was. Yeah. You know, he was unsettled. 
He got traded away to Denver. I think, again, top man, I think it was for primarily picks. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah. And then he got to Denver. And yeah, he had a few you know, good seasons. Ended up playing 135 games at Denver. So we can't really write it off completely. No. They then traded him to, as you said, Detroit. Um, and that's where the wheels really started falling off yeah. for Iverson. He refused to be a bench player. Um, it, he then moved to Memphis, played three games at Memphis. Then Philly picked him up again. Yeah. Um, played 25 at Philly. But again, this conversation of you're going to be coming off the bench now, you're at the back end of your career, didn't sit well with Iverson. Um, do you think, well, there's several aspects of this. Do you think maybe he regrets making that stance now? Yeah, 100%. Um, do you think he would have been better off, as we've seen so many veteran players now, maybe doing a little bit of ring chasing, taking yeah. a lower-level contract somewhere, coming off the bench, sixth, seventh guy, yeah. to, to go and get that championship? Do you think he would have rather kind of bit the bullet as he looks back now? You know, I think hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But, you know, you, you only have to look at someone like Carmelo, like you say. It, he was lucky enough to be able to resurrect his career and come back because two years ago he was out. Yeah, I never saw that coming. Um, I never saw Carmelo breaking back in. Because he just didn't want to take a bench role. But there comes a point where you have to realise that the young guns are winning, you know, and father time (laughs) waits for nobody. And, you know, yes, you're still an amazing player. He's proving that. He proved that last year and he's proving it again now. But, you know, the thing with Iverson, you're not that guy anymore. You are now a five foot eleven guy who's lost his athleticism, who doesn't have a great jump shot. Yeah, and and at that point is when you see the game changing, and it was moving into the Steph Curry's of the world were coming in and shooting from nine hundred feet away like it was nothing, and it was just he he'd become too old school. But he he could have been a great sort of solid bench point guard for a second unit on a championship team. You know, but he just wasn't willing to accept that role until Philly signed him back. But at that point, it's too late. Yeah. You know, and then I, I think two the, years by that point. You know, his, his body just gave up more than anything else. You know, I think that's why we really saw the end of Iverson is, you know, when you are that slight and and, and small and you're hitting the floor all the time, his, his body gave up. But I think he definitely could have had some more years with a better attitude towards the later stages of his career. But, and that's difficult for me to say, because one of the things I loved about him in his younger career was the fact that he had that attitude and he, you know, the whole, we're talking about practice thing is one of my favorite things in basketball history, because it's the, the, the way it was perceived in the press at the time, the level of arrogance, it was just, it was amazing. And I loved that attitude, but, it got the better of him and it did ruin his chances of, you know, not solidifying that career with a championship ring. Because at the end of the day in the, in the NBA, if you haven't got a, a ring, you can still make the hall of fame, but you haven't got a ring. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the, that, that was kind of the last bit for me that I was going to ask you about is, does the ring make a huge amount of difference? So he was a 2001 MVP, 11 time all-star, four time scoring champion, three times steals leader, uh, they they retired his jersey in Philly, Olympic bronze medalists, but no championship ring. Does that, if he had gone a bit ring chasing at the back end, picked up one, at least one championship ring, does that elevate him into a different conversation? You know, yeah. he's a great, would that kind of elevate him up into 
more legendary status? I think so, but it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, a lot of players do it and they get disrespected a little bit for it. I mean, Gary Payton ended up getting a ring by running around and, you know, and then chasing one. And, and yeah, he got one, but he didn't get it in the most respectable way. Yeah. But I, I, I think with Iverson, yeah, I think he just needs that one. It, it's funny because his career and Carmelo Anthony's career are so very similar. Yeah, I know you what I mean. It's, Carmelo it's, at, the, at the Knicks and, and Iverson yeah. at Philly, really trying to make it work. So determined to try and win something and then having yeah. a leave because it just didn't. And it just didn't work. And, you know... And like Carmelo now is 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 one of the all time greats. He's a great player, but no one's ever going to remember him really unless he wins a ring. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think that's true. He just becomes Iverson. that. Do you remember Carmelo? Oh man, yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. it's not. He's not you know, going to be in the top twenty or thirty players that you list as the all time greats, is he? No, I think like if you talk to young kids now and you ask them about Allen Iverson, they don't really know about Allen Iverson. Yeah. Would they would they know him if he had a couple of rings? Yeah, you best believe it. You yeah, know. I think it's the same conversation you probably have someone about like Charles Barkley or Carl Malone, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. You know what I mean? We only really remember Charles Barkley because he's on TV now. Yeah. You know, younger yeah. fans who? Yeah. Like like the Reg- bloke on the, the gobby bloke. Yeah, yeah. The one that fights Shaq all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know the one you mean. Reggie Miller. I remember him for his playing ability, even though he was crazy good. Yeah, like ridiculously good. Yeah. You know, like Reggie Miller. No one, yeah. the only people... Yeah, so many players. It's, like, it's kind of heartbreaking when you think of it like that. It is. So no, good, no. but they just didn't get that one thing. That's it. And ultimately, you're in sports, right? It's winning. That's what matters. You're That's going to be judged matters, by really. that. And they, they never strung a season together that, that, that got them, got them yeah. to that ring. Or they were just never in the right place. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's it. No other right place. And some yeah. players that really don't deserve a ring walk away with three, four, five rings. Yeah. Robert um, Ori. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Ori contributed. He might not have been the star, but he certainly contributed. Yeah, fair enough. In the clutch moments, to be fair. Um, just to wrap up our episode, I'm going to yeah. shove you off the fence, the one you refused to get off early, <laughs> uh, the first thing. If Alan Iverson had been drafted in 2016 instead of 96... Would he have been better off or worse off? Do you think he would have made more of an impact? Would he have been a championship? Would he have been, or would he just not have been the player that we that we love and we so fondly remember? I think it's, it's a difficult one, but I do. I, I think, in all honesty, he's going to be better in the nineties because of his game. His game was attacking the bucket, um, you know, absorbing contact and finishing that way. Whereas now, if he's drafted in twenty sixteen, and you're five eleven, six foot, and you don't have at least a f- 38 to 40% three-point clip, then yeah. you're going to be a little bit irrelevant. I mean, you look at someone like a, a Ben Simmons is becoming irrelevant and he's 6'9". And he can't <laughs> Which shoot. is mad, right? Well, no, maybe that. He's 6'10", maybe. You know, 6'10", 6'11", and he can't shoot. So we laugh at him. So I think now, you know, you're coming in shooting sort of 30% from three, not a, you know, a decent mid-range shooter, but not lighting it up. I don't think that... He has the same successes. Um, and he's definitely not as exciting to watch. He'd have to change his game to do that. And I think, you know, without that attacking the bucket, getting hit and, and whatever, it's not Alan Iverson. So he embodies mid-90s, I think, you know, uh, mid-90s, early 2000s, hip-hop culture, basketball culture is what it is because of Alan Iverson. So that's where he's at his best. Uh, yeah, I, I, so many of the points you make, I agree with it. And, and overall, I think I agree with you. 
I don't think you'd want to put him in that time machine and bring him forward 20 years. I don't think he'd be better off for that. And I think there's other issues to it. The off-court stuff, I just don't think is accepted anymore no. in the NBA. I don't yeah. think you can get away with having... And let's be honest, I feel for Iverson because a huge amount of it is just rumours and people you know, suing him even though nothing happened. They just know that he's got a bad boy reputation, so they're going to try and take some money out of him. Yep. Um, but I just don't think the NBA or... GMs are as accepting of off-court antics as they were in the 90s. Totally agree. You know, and I think that would have limited him. I don't think, you know, franchises would have put up with the, and it is rumours, you know, yeah, so yeah, much yeah. is unfound. People accusing him of assaulting them, it never happened. You know, people accusing his bodyguard and, yeah. and fights in casinos and all this kind of stuff. Some of it happened, some of it didn't, you know, but I just don't think that he would have been given that long at a club that he had in Philly being the main man. Um, They wouldn't have had that opportunity. I think they would have, after a contract or two, been like, right, I think we need to move away from him. Let's trade him away. And he would have got to that Denver situation earlier in his career, which would have been so sad that the off-court crap that followed him around would would have potentially cost us some of the best years of his career, you know, yeah. the 06, the 05, 06 season phenomenal. And yeah, so I, I, I'm the same yeah. as you. I'm glad he was in the nineties and, and I, I have great memories about that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where, that's where he belongs. And that's because he made that, you know, he made the nineties, mid nineties, early two thousands culture. And the, yeah. the rounds, but he made it what it was. And I think it's interesting you say about the off court stuff because and you say like maybe a team doesn't offer him a contract. I don't even think he gets that far. I think with some of the off court stuff that he had going on, the NBA steps in and says, get out these days. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't think it even gets to the point where he finishes his contract. The NBA says, no, you are too much of a disruption. Get out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You, he yeah. can remain like us and he can stay grounded in the nineties. <laughs> perfect what a way to wrap up thank you uh sean thank you so much for today a really good uh chat around one of the most iconic 90s players iverson thank you pleasure always um so that wraps up another rookie picture podcast episode thank you guys for listening in hope you've enjoyed it and um, remember if you want a chance of winning the official license photo of iverson all you need to do is head over to rookie.uk Enter the competition, and who knows, you might have that winging its way to you shortly. We'll be back soon with another Rookie Picture Podcast episode. Until then, have a good one, and we will see you all soon.